Welcome to the Canteen Podcast, a show for anyone who has feelings about food. Join host Ali Houston as guests open up about their relationship with food and their thoughts on nutrition. Nourish yourself with the Canteen Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Canteen Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Houston. Please don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. This podcast is made possible thanks to paleocanteen.co.uk, which is my company. That's paleocanteen.co.uk. Thanks, and enjoy the show. And we are recording. And I'm lucky enough to have with me Frank Claydon, who is a low-carb blogger at Go Low Carb UK. Uh, He works in the food and drink industry and is himself a low-carb success story. So welcome, Frank. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ali. That's fantastic. Appreciate the the intro. And uh, yeah, look forward to having a quick chat. Great. Why don't you just tell us about who you are and your story and bring us up to date? Yeah, I, I won't take you right the way back to the start, but uh, the accelerated uh, version is that I've, I've always been overweight. Um, I've had, you know, so, I've, you know, apart from a very brief time when I was, um, uh, when I was super fit and boxing uh, in my early 20s, um, I, I, rapid, I was pretty heavy beforehand and, and very heavy afterwards. So um, one of those sort of yo-yo dieters throughout my life. Um, you know, taking half a stone off and then adding a stone on uh, as, as you go right the way through the, through the years. Um, tried everything. I've been uh, vegan. I've been vegetarian. I've, I've done, uh, you know, obsessive MyFitnessPal. I've done zero fat, virtually no fat whatsoever for uh, periods. I had ridiculous times where I was actually putting jam on toast with no butter. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> how, how on earth how on earth anyone thought that was a great idea is just beyond me. Um, but, um, so I, I, I got to, a, you know, over the years got, got sort of like a, I, I wasn't always perfect and I wasn't always trying, but, but that was because as we all know, uh, you, you go to one sort of level of dieting and what finishes is your willpower. And you get to the point where you just you're continually getting more more and more hungry every day, uh, just to sustain the same level of weight loss. You have to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. If you're looking at calories and calories in, calories out, and you, at the one point or another, it gets to the point it's just unsustainable. And uh, that's happened so many times in my life. And I just I just really thought it was me being weak, and um, yeah, just just kept going really and. Uh, Got to the point where um, I, I, you know, a couple of things started getting wrong with me, and it was, you know, it, it wasn't just the weight that was the factors then. And uh, started going to the doctors about um, my legs. My legs started um, uh, inflaming, so so I had edema, in, but in both legs. And um, I went through sort of two years of testing um, on those, and they they just couldn't find anything wrong with them. That no one ever told me anything else to do they just they were just trying to find a, an underlying cause um, I then 
um, I was I was then you know in the middle of those two years I was I was seriously ill with uh, something called cellulitis, um, where uh, where one of my legs um, massively inflamed from from a, an infection, and I was in hospital for six weeks on some really heavy um, uh, heavy antibiotics, and then I had hospital at home for another four weeks after that, and it was pretty sort of it was pretty extreme, and you know the blood counts that came out from that they said said that i had such high infection rates that it was it was it was pretty um it was pretty pretty dangerous place to be and that had it remained un, untreated I, I probably wouldn't have been here um and what what they basically said is it, it i should never have got to the point where my immune system was so low that that my body took that infection and just went with it that was what they, they what I, they came to me and said was that your blood counts could not possibly that you know they're the blood counts of someone who was 70 or was, or, or someone who was you know 70 or 80 and you know there's something fundamentally wrong and perhaps you should explore it and that was what my gp said to me after all of this he said perhaps you need to explore what's what's going wrong um so um, after that all calmed down, carried on with uh, with getting tests on the uh, uh, the edema in my legs, which was unrelated to the cellulitis, but a, a, a different issue. And uh, <laughs> um, eventually they, I got to the point where they said, um, I, I, I'd gone right up to the, the, the biggest specialist and, the, and they basically said, there's nothing you can do. They're, they're going to stay like that for the rest of your life. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have the pain in your knees. You're going to have the pain in your joints. You're not going to be, you're going to be moaning every time you stand up and all of those sort of things. And um, I, I carry, yeah. so um, at that point, I just got really angry. I just, I just went that, I can't have been waiting for two years for you to say, sorry, there's nothing about this that can be done. And I just, I just got really angry. I, and I came home, it was a Friday. I remember I came home from the hospital and, and I just went straight on Google and I just kind of, you know, I started putting, it, it might even be a coincidence, but I was, I was just putting in uh, um, anti-inflammatory, um, you know, ha uh, reducing inflammation, reducing inflammation in legs, uh, you know, uh, anti-inflammatory diets and all these sort of things. And then that was, that was the very first time I'd ever heard of keto. I'd never, I've never really been some, uh, of interest in, in nutrition in any shape or form. Um, but I, I, I looked, uh, I got into keto, um, you know, to try and understand what it was at that point. Um, luckily, at that point, there wasn't too many of the um, the, uh, the the those uh, people preying on you with uh, with lots of different products at the time. So it was it was quite it was it was a little bit a little bit younger along the lines of uh, of uh, you know there was there wasn't loads of uh, loads of bars and things going on. But it was quite interesting because I I'd, I got into um, uh, like low carb down under and all, all of those videos on YouTube I started learning from people like Gary Taubes and uh, Jason Fung and uh, you know uh, Nia Tycholtz and, and uh, just really went oh my god what's happening here this is this is crazy and then so I had a whole weekend of just completely absorb myself and it was just two days of going from never heard of it to you know I, I never left the, the computer for those two days um, and then on the Monday, I went, right, I'm going to go for it. Um, and I try and I did everything I, I physically could. I took um, all carbohydrates that I could physically get out of my diet. 
on there and I, and I had a sort of like a, at the time I was doing sort of um, steak, chicken and egg um, with, you know, broccoli and yeah, sort of just you know, sort of like a, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, so just sort of basically um, meat and meat and vegetables or meat uh, or salads and, and all of those sort of things. Very, you know, I was, I was adding quite a lot of fat at that point as well. Um, and something ridiculous happened. Uh, can I just say at this point, I was 20 stone as well. Um, so it's 20 stone and something ridiculous happened, which was the pain in my legs and the inflammation in my legs cleared up in seven days. And uh, that is unbelievable in so many ways. First of all, because I had it for two years and the doctor told me it was, it was incurable, I'm gonna have it for the rest of my life and oh well. Um, but secondly, because I thought it was weight related and my weight didn't, didn't really go down in those, those seven days and you know, no more than they fluctuated in, in other times. Um, but those seven days just transformed things. It was unbelievable. They just, you know, my, my legs just went back to look like normal and, they, and they've been normal ever since. Uh, that's been that's like three years and you know it's not you know it's it's not a a, a massive medical issue that, that, that the same as you know some people have with uh with diabetes and lots of other things that that, that this can help but it's all in the same spectrum and it just you know my my i, I was i was going to the gym um, three times a week with my friends um anyway there was still i was still doing exercise but i couldn't run on the treadmill with them. I, d I walked on the treadmill next to them and they ran. And, uh, you know, probably, I think it was probably four months later, um, I was running next to them on the treadmill and that, they just couldn't believe it, you know. And, um, yeah, the weight, the weight loss started uh, really sort of happening as a, as a side effect of, of me trying to fix other things. And, you know, and what, what was amazing was the weight loss just kept coming and coming and, uh, uh, so in, in 12 months, and I know some people do it quicker, but that, that's, that's what it took me. It took me 12 months to lose five stone. So I lost a quarter of my body weight in one year. Um, and I've been, um, I haven't lost, I, I think I still need to lose another two stone. Um, but I, I have, what I've done is I've comfortably maintained that, that five stone loss for the first time in my life. I, I never feel hungry. Um, you know, um, I've, I've uh, implemented a number of other things, in, implement, in, uh, intermittent fasting, I, t I, I, I do, but I, I do it because I'm not hungry. I wake up, I've got no, no need for breakfast whatsoever. And um, I find that as an easier way of managing my food. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel absolutely, yeah, I, I feel like we've, we've all been lied to in such, a, such an enormous way. And, I feel great and you know my skin's improved and you know so many other things have happened that have made me feel better you know I've got more energy I used to I used to um almost fall asleep after lunch you know these are, these are you know usually bread-based lunch or pasta or whatever and just you know an hour later I'll just fall asleep you know it just and that just no, that doesn't happen it just doesn't happen it's not even close to happening and that's yeah. So I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting younger rather than older, which is rather nice. So yeah, that's it. It feels great. I um, what what it then spurred me on to do was was actually sort of go well. You know, 
as, as someone who's in hospitality, um, you, know, you, you obviously see things around you that you, and you go, wow, okay, that means, that means you know, we've all been advised to cook, cook things in a way that our, you know, our customers um, you know, believe to be safe and we believe to be safe, but, but actually what's coming out is then it's not the right way of serving food to people. And we are uh, complicit in making people sick. And that's that's quite a, a shocking revelation that um, is really coming around to me now. And um, you know, and I'm, I'm early enough in my journey to also have the same sort of uh, conscience wrangling with uh, with my children and what my children eat, uh, both at school and at home, and you know how how to improve that so that, that they're going to be healthy when they grow up. So there's all of those things that um, you know really make me. They really drive me on and. You know, I'm quite an entrepreneurial person. I, I want to uh, have a business in the low carb space of, of some description in the future. And, um, you know, as part of that, I'm, I've started a, a nutrition and weight loss diploma. Um, and as Amy Berger says in, in the States, you know, when she did her nutrition uh, um, uh, qualifications, her degrees and, uh, and everything, she was saying, you've, sometimes you've just got to just hold your breath, accept what you're writing down isn't right uh, in order to get through to the qualification so that you're, you can then move forward. So, you know, I've been looking at eat well plates and you name it. And, uh, you know, I, th I think that it's, it's taken me slightly longer to do my diploma than perhaps I should because I, I keep sort of uh, putting that down and then picking up the Ben Bickman book or, or, uh, or, you know, Jason Fung's book or, or, uh, <laughs> or Paul Saladino's book or whatever, because it, you know, my heart's closer to there than it is in the actual coursework. So, but, but I, all of that's going on in the background. Um, it's, I've perhaps been a little bit ambitious with what I've taken on this year in 2020. So I've, I've uh, started go low carb, uh, uk. I've started um, the nutrition diploma. I've started um, uh, um, some some partnerships with some um, some great people out there like uh, Chloe Barlow and uh, and uh, uh, Matthew Corona and some other people that that really makes yeah it's exciting. And I want to want, want to develop those, um, but at the same time, we've been trying to look after kids in the middle of, a, of a covid and trying to do a job with a company that's desperately trying to stay alive so you kind of you know what i mean there's, there's lots lots going on all in one year and perhaps i've taken on a little bit too long so yeah slow myself down a little bit and and being more realistic with my time scales and that's kind of brought me you brought me if <laughs> that's, that's that's a summary of my last 20 years there you go <laughs> what do you think thanks it's a brilliant story um First, congratulations on the health successes. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, including myself, be able to relate to the long-term frustrations in dealing with um, the kind of chronic illness with conventional, um, most doctors in Britain and the West in general at the moment. Um, I'm always very careful to say that, you know, doctors are highly trained and uh, careful individuals, but the training doesn't always uh, provide them with the ability to deal with underlying um, root causes. Uh, you know, the paradigm is geared up for 
um, prescribing drugs and sometimes they can be extremely helpful. They can be life-saving and necessary. Uh, or, you know, if I broke my leg, then I would go to a doctor. Of course I would. But um, my chronic health conditions weren't solved until I found out about uh, changing how I ate. And um, it's remarkable, isn't it, that you were told that you'd have to live with this condition forever. And then within a week, it cleared up. Yeah, it's just insane. Um, it's remarkable. It's brilliant. Um, uh, I, I think so one, one, one thing that, um, that, that's kind of building in my mind is, is that um, a lot of the, um, the financial motivation of using drugs, it comes from the, uh, the medical um, position or the, the, the capitalist medical situation in, in the estates, which we don't have over here. You know, we have the NHS who desperately want to save money, and you know, um, you're, you're you're more than familiar with David Unwin. He's he's done the forward in your book, I believe, um, and you know how much he's saving fifty thousand pounds a year in in the uh, over his um, his Norwood uh, GPs, uh, which is fantastic, isn't it? And that and that to me sort of like has this has this thought that in the UK we should have the absolute financial motivation to, to come up with the best possible uh, solutions for solving some of these chronic diseases that they perhaps haven't got that situation in the state so in some ways we should be starting to lead that process what do you think about that absolutely yeah um i think it was ivor cummins who said that um you know in the airline industry the incentive to reducing the number of accidents to as close to zero as possible is absolute. You know, uh, people just will not fly if they think there's an appreciable chance of the plane crashing. And the problem with uh, treating chronic illness uh, in terms of very quick healing, for example, changing how you eat seven days later, your symptoms are gone permanently, um, as long as you keep eating like that. Um, that doesn't really uh, match the long-term financial goals of either um, surgeons or pharmaceutical executives. You know, some surgeons are realizing that surgery is sometimes preventable, like Gary Fetke. And um, even in a mixed system like Australia, it's not all private, I believe. He was chastised by the medical community there for telling people to uh, try low carb and they might avoid getting their diabetic limbs amputated. And you've probably seen the, um, the official wording was that he was curing patients inappropriately. So um, he, he eventually was completely exonerated, of course, because it's ridiculous. But the incentives are just not the same as, you know, uh, in the airline industry, for example. And it would, it, you know, I think a lot of people find that hard to accept uh, that, you know, that there's people out there who just have different priorities to your health. You know, it's not that people are evil. 
you know, the, uh, you know, most people who work in these types of jobs, they go home to their families and their normal uh, caring people. Um, but if your job depends on maximizing profits, uh, then you're not going to pursue a line of uh, cutting out your product entirely. Um, it just doesn't make sense. So I think that's the main thing that's um, at play here. Um, so that I think uh, lots of doctors who've been trained in the traditional paradigm of the um, uh, of the West, which is to you know um, medicate or uh, perform surgery, or just suggest that the patient accept their fate, are turning round and seeing that uh, there's people like Dr. Unwin, uh, Asim Mohotra. Uh, looking over to America, other doctors as well. And uh, that's just going to keep growing because it works. And I think doctors aren't pharmaceutical executives. You know, they genuinely are interested when there's savings to be made and when there's, more importantly, suffering to be saved. And uh, I feel like it's a genie that can't be put back in the bottle at this point. You know, I've said it before that um, Atkins burst onto the scene with it in the 70s and it kind of you know it, it exploded you know there was millions of books sold and then it became more of a product thing and there was lots of products that he wasn't as involved in and um, then there was a sort of long uh, series of uh, attacks made on him in the media which slowly diminished the popularity of it but then you know Mike Eads and Protein Power book sold a couple of million as well and it's never really gone away. And now that there's a community online, which really is more or less unbreakable as far as I can tell, it's just going to keep growing and growing because it works. You know, you can't really deny when um, careful, scientific, uh, trustworthy people like David Unwin mm. ask questions like, if there's a risk, can you tell me what it is? Because his patients are thriving and it's not just about the money saved, it's about the quality of life that's improved massively over years and years. Um, you know, it changes people's lives, it changes the doctors' lives. The doctors now actually want to work. I mean, it's, uh, it's remarkable. And I think the, uh, there's almost a downside to it being so effective. Because I don't know if you've found, and I was going to ask, you know, your friends have seen the results. But... Do you get, ever get the sense that they just can't believe that it was just a change in diet that did it? Absolutely. And, and I, I was going to raise that. But I, th I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges is getting people to believe you. And um, it's because there's, you have to find your own why before you go through the journey of, because it's, it's not very accessible. You have, you know, that, that, that first weekend I, I, when I was going through all of the, uh, you know, low carb down under YouTube, and you know articles on on uh, uh, on the web. It's just it's 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 quite hard work. You have to you have to really go through it. And I, and I think that getting it accessible and getting to the point where people actually believe that um, what they've been told over fifty years is wrong is is a massive task. And I think that's a that's a bigger. It, it, um, just having the truth isn't enough. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But I, I don't, I, I haven't changed, I've only changed, um, well, uh, 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 my, my other half is, uh, is, has 
slowly changed her her um her food habits she's got an autoimmune disease um and i've i've been begging her for 3 years to change and she's she's just starting to change now um it's just it's it's very hard it's it's really hard um to to do that and it's especially um, especially because she she's in in the food industry as well so you, you you get to the point where you have to try food that's outside of the regime quite often so yeah. you never you never then build up the benefit if you don't see that and so you know i've i've gone from the point of um you know i I've, I've done a i'm not, I've, I've previously done um tastings at my last job um where i've i've had to um uh, taste six different pizza bases um at 9:30 in the morning and, and sign them off i've had to do um uh, um i had to do the christmas menus for nine uh, nine different retail formats of 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 restaurant um in uh, across across two days and you know the, these sort of things when when you're when you have an um an addiction to food um you know in a sort of like a dr tro kind of way i, I do feel like a, I'm, I'm fairly obsessive about food um and so when it when something like that's put in front of you it's very hard so you know when you're in the hospitality industry um and perhaps yeah it, it's 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 a little bit hard sometimes to do those things I, I, what i've found is that i've actually taken a, a step away from the importance of me personally tasting everything um yeah we've the last thing i've i've had to be involved in was a cake tasting and, and that was in between four suppliers um four suppliers and a, a range of about 10 of each and I, the one benefit of that is i don't think i'll ever want to eat a cake again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's kind of um it, it is as i say it, it's, it's hard because you know people need to give it they need to give it four weeks absolutely um absolutely purely and i think then they, they will absolutely understand the benefits and how how good they feel but it's quite hard to get people to persuade them to do that and then you know you, if you join the, the the facebook communities out there you see so many people say oh, i'm on my third day and I'm, I'm not feeling any better yet and um i'm still hungry and you know the, the, the people people um, expect too much too quickly and perhaps haven't done the the, the actual scientific food, um research to get themselves to the point where they're going to be really convinced that that trust in the process keep going and you'll be fine yeah so it's it's really hard hard to persuade people and i think that's you know sadly sadly um our, our vegan friends um you know have got some great marketers behind them and they've got some they've got some big big money from some some big food companies um and and some major personalities out there who who can put things together in a very in a very slick way and uh, yeah we need some of that i think yeah it'd be interesting to hear your take on the food industry in general because um you know we're both working in the food industry i hear what you're saying about tasting you know when i was uh, first starting out with paleo canteen it was paleo so it's not necessarily low carb so i was doing um you know, high street friendly stuff like uh, gluten-free buns for burgers. And um, I was doing fish and chips with a like kind of 
crispy uh, tempura rice flour type batter. And um, I was doing um, sweet potato wedges, fried in beef dripping, of course. But, you know, if you're cooking the food and putting it out, you have to try it. There's no two ways about it. And it is mm. tough and it can be kind of triggering. And, uh, and I think the food industry, but, you know, if you're working on the high street like that, then you have to put out these crowd pleasers or else, you know, uh, at the moment, you wouldn't have a chance unless you run like a steak restaurant or something where really, you know, you can charge um, top dollar. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, there's this um, kind of myth that won't die that there's a shadowy, all-powerful meat lobby. But all we hear is how damaging meat supposedly is for the environment. All we hear is how good veganism is. All we hear is how... Um, uh, how we ought to move from meat to plants. So I think actually the PR assault is coming from um, the the vegan side rather than the meat side. And um, I think you're right that it really is more of a PR coup than any kind of a substantial movement based in scientific fact. Um, and I wonder how you see low carb um, being resurrected as a kind of a PR v victory, even if it's not say pitted against veganism, but just offered as a as a really positive um, as a really positive alternative. And also, you know, I think one of the reasons veganism gets uh, lots of money behind it is. Meat's expensive to raise, and um, it's because it's full of nutrition. You know, there's just no you can't fake the you, you know you can't um, you can't uh, fake a, a lamb. It's a lamb. You have to put it on a mountain and wait till it's finished growing. And uh, with food that's um, labeled vegan, you can, as Frederick Leroy said on the podcast, just get a a collection of uh, food-like ingredients, um, put them together, make sure there's plenty of water and air and uh, in there, and you're effectively selling water and air and flavorings to people, calling it uh, a, a green revolution and um, laughing all the way to the bank. Totally, and it's the, the, the vegan, uh, well, uh, the, the one per time I've really put my foot down is when the, uh, I had the potential for the Impossible Burger on the menu um, at, in, 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 in my current employer. And um, we, we, um, yeah, we've gone down the falafel route, which I feel a lot more comfortable with um, um, on, on that front. But, but yeah, if you look at the Impossible Burger, I, I believe it's the Impossible one or it's the other one that's similarly named. It, it's, it's got 21 ingredients, you know. 21 ingredients in a thing how can that be more natural and you you, you go through them this you know soy uh, you know this 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 you know it's absolutely full of um of things that are going to harm you um and it really worries me that 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 is getting more um uh, yeah more more sort of time in the press than than uh, than something like low carb and i think there's i think our time will come and i, I think that, you know what worries me is the environmental thing because 
you know, I've gone from going, oh well, it's 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 not it's not quite as good as uh, as vegan to be low carb, but uh, but I think it's you know it's not as not it's not as big a gap as they're, what they're saying. But now I'm actually I'm almost all the way through to the other side and thinking actually it's better, and you know. I think industrial farming is is killing the planet, whichever way you look at it. And that's monocropping. Um, that's you know it, these massive uh, cattle ranches in the in the centre of the states. All of that is is absolutely awful. And that's you know um, that's the, that's just unforgivable. What whatever the the crop is. But you know if you look at the biggest crops in, on the planet, you know the biggest crop is sugarcane. Um, you know trillions of tons of, of sugarcane and it, it, if you think about this it, it's actually really nutritionally thirsty for the topsoil um it it takes a hell of a lot of water as well and um and it's entirely uh, pointless for for um the human consumption it's just it's just superfluous to, to what we need it's adding nothing and that that's just incredible the biggest crop on the planet is, is sugarcane and you know you I've been in the Twitter debates on these ones and people will say, well, you know, in, in Brazil, they use it for cars and things like that. But I, I, I don't, you know, I think globally, I don't think that's what that, uh, that, that volume reflects. I think that, that reflects um, a really poor diet um, that's, that's harming all of us, really. So I think monocropping, you know, the fact that we're, uh, our topsoil is getting shallower and shallower and you're having to put more chemicals and ironically sometimes bone meal um, on these things to fix them um, in order to provide these vegan food. Um, yeah, you, you can go down the ethical debate and, and talk about yeah, uh, 100, 150 rodents will die um, for, for every hectare of, uh, of uh, harvesting and all that sort of stuff versus only one one animal or you know all of those things you can go into but i think that's kind of like blowing the edges i think the, the big the big thing is is that um you know if you monocropped a whole area um treated it with uh, chemical fertilizers um and you know bred bred wheat so that it's it's a shorter dwarf wheat so that um you know it can hold it's got a higher yield and it's it's got more gluten in it to, to as a natural uh, pesticide um, but that's that's harming all of us as well. So you've done all of those things on the wheat. Um, you've you've thrown in loads of chemicals, and the the topsoil starts getting shallower and shallower. You're never rotating that that area, so it's always always cropping, and then you're you're not putting animals out, um, and you and you're not letting it out to pasture or anything like that. There's no, you know, none of that crop rotation that we all learned at school. Um, that just doesn't happen anymore um, in these these big areas. And I think that's the main problem we've got is is that you know that once that topsoil's gone, it's then going to become desert, um, uh, which which reflects on, on the sun, and you get um, you know, massively accelerated global warming on a on a thirty year time scale rather than you know cow farts or whatever we're all talking about now. And so you know, I, I, I kind of it, it gets frustrating because I actually get to the point where we go actually I think the main main thing is whether you're, whether you're making uh, whether you're uh, growing crops uh, or vegetables or uh, or animals it's about you know sustainable farming it's about uh, doing things that are, are natural with the land and I'm, I'm really sort of interested in you know, I follow on Twitter people like um, the Horn Beef Company who are, you know have got Highland cattle which are you know you know 
walk them out, uh, walk them out onto the, um, walk them out onto the mountains, and they eat away. And you know, you, you couldn't couldn't crop that even if you wanted to, because it's it's it, yeah. So that they're, they're not doing. There's no um, environmental effect of this, you know. And it just feels really frustrating that you know what everyone focuses on is is this these horrendous industrial um, farming, which, as I say, you know, whether it's whether it's animal or vegetable, is 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 um, really poor for the planet. And I think um, I think I think low carb, um, you know, especially especially if you if you take into account how much people consume. If you look at someone who eats a high carb diet, they tend to eat six times a day. You know, um, they're you know hungry every hour and a half, two hours. They're always always eating. Um, whereas I, you know, I quite happily eat once a day. You know, and you know, so if you look at the overall consumption, you know, is it is it, is it better really to 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 eat cornflakes, you know, for the planet? Really, I don't think it is. You know, what do you think? I completely agree. Yeah, I've spoken a lot about this on um, on the podcast before, and you know, I think um, I've just seen the is it called Kiss the Ground. The new film coming out soon, yeah, Kiss the Ground, and it's narrated by a vegan of thirty years, Woody Harrelson, and it's encouraging regenerative farming. You know, I, I've subscribed to this idea that it's not the cow, it's the how, and mm. um, the Horned Beef Company is a perfect example. So, definitely, you know, I think we need to just um, put animals on the land in a way that benefits uh, the land and allows the animals to lead uh, a reasonably happy life but uh, maybe, maybe we can finish up then on your hope for the the food industry and the hospitality industry in terms of moving towards healthier alternatives and um you know how you how you see that going well i think i think hospitality industry has um has changed through COVID, and I think it will change permanently in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, but but one one thing that I think there's a definite market for is um, is 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 more convenient, um, you know, to take away drive through um, uh, options, which are actually you know genuinely good for you, or at least a hell of a lot less bad for you and the environment and um and i think something like that can be i think it's got the opportunity now because if you look at every business that's got a drive-through element it doesn't matter you know whether it's coffee shops or whatever that that is the only thing that's thriving at the moment and so that 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 gives the one not you know the one chance to actually do something properly uh, it'd be really interesting to do do something like that and um, so that, that's that's something that i i, I would personally love love to see is is just a, a start to change of the um of people's appetite and and then for for someone like you know let's name name the biggest volume site um for, for the environment is mcdonald's mcdonald's could do so much to improve the health of their menu or give health options and you know if you you know they used to fry their fries in beef tallow as you know um you know um back for, you know pretty much the the time that they went from uh, from that to um, to seed oils was it was the start of the uh, 
the increase in in chronic disease so you know um you know we all, we all know that the, the meat's been blamed on, on that in that meal but it's much more likely to be the um the, the sugar in the in the the soft drink and it's the the oils that the fries are being fried in and then thirdly it's the it's the cup the the starches in in the potato and and the bun which are the, the evils not the rest of it and you know i think all of that is addressable and you know, I, I, I have to say, I think McDonald's are, uh, are a fantastic company, and understand, um, uh, under, you know, in the UK, I think they they understand the UK consumer. They understand how to um, how to, how to um, move with the times, and I'm really hoping that they understand that you know it'd be much better for them if they if everybody in their in their environment. Um, we're actually getting better not worse and yeah, that'd be amazing to see you know i uh, i love going in for a, a triple cheeseburger from the saver menu and i'll just mm. order it without the bun without the ketchup and have some extra bacon and some lettuce on there and i can get six cheeseburgers essentially for um just over a fiver you know um mm. and i know that it's british and irish beef um yeah. just seasoned with salt and pepper you know they really they, they can they can do it and um, they they make all these um, they make all these savings because of their size and because of their efficiencies and automation, and there's nothing wrong with all that. Um, but um, like you say, well, there is. I suppose there's a disincentive for them in uh, changing how they cook the fries, in as much as the polyunsaturated linoleic acid fat uh, drives um, hunger and overeating. So um, you know the presence of these fat of this fat um actually is a uh, uh, a way to get the customers to eat more so i think it would be nice if they offered the option so that for vegans and vegetarians who want to eat fries cooked in polyunsaturated fat then okay there's an option but then there's also beef dripping ones too um oh, that would be great. amazing you know, once in a while, I would probably just have some because I don't, I don't think you're going to do, you know, any lasting damage at all by uh, having a few um, fries cooked in beef dripping once in a while. Um, in fact, uh, I've recorded an episode but not put it out yet with Brad Marshall, whose um, blog's Fire in a Bottle, and he coined the term the croissant diet because he figured out from Peter uh, Hyperlipid that um, it was a paper on feeding mice, but he, 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 he figured that with a certain macronutrient ratio, um, you could get a great satiety and weight loss, um, and, that, and that macronutrient ratio matched croissants. So he ate croissants that he made himself that were extra fatty, but they were made with a mixture of beef dripping and, um, and butter, and he lost loads of weight. You know, and he felt Amazing. really, really full. So I, I would love to see it. I would, I would, you know, I'm gonna when we put this out, I'll, I'll tag McDonald's and say, when are you gonna reintroduce a beef dripping option? And I think if we start getting vocal about it, they're a clever enough company that they'll respond. Um, you know, I was speaking to a food industry consultant recently who reckons that keto and low carb is now where vegan was five years ago and that supermarkets are starting to look for keto and low carb options. 
So I think it's about to mushroom because um, it's not so much a movement of um, what I would describe as maybe um, well-meaning but ultimately misguided morality like the, like veganism is um, tends to be. Although I do respect people if they don't want to eat animals, I completely get it. Um, it's it's because it it works to you know turn health health and lives around um, and i think that's that's an exciting um thing to potentially be a part of so i mean where do you see yourself in that in terms of your entrepreneurial efforts and maybe you can tell people about what you've set up so far yeah sure so um i'm, I'm i've started a uh, a, a partnership with uh, your keto life uk which is uh chloe barlow who's a nutritionist um over in east anglia and um, um i've i've had a i've done a very similar uh zoom call like this with 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 her and her husband craig barlow who is um an amazing chef um and um uh he's his keto it's you know, quite inspirational but uh, you know his stuff is very very top end and that's why i'm very keen to understand more about your book um because i think there's a definite market for you know actually making it much more accessible for for budget for budget level and i think that'd be great so um so doing a, a little bit with uh, a partnership with your keto uh, life uk i'm um want to bring a couple of things to market for Potentially for sort of like the the Ocado level of um, um, of of home eating, and I see that being, you know, I, I'm a family man. I'd like to see something that would work well for for young kids, where they they would, you know, start getting introduced to these things and actually feel that, that these things that there's healthy alternatives out there that would work for them. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd love to see if there was a, an option for. A, uh, a beef tallow oven oven fry for instance i don't know if that's even physically possible but um you know that sort of thing so so you know ways of ways of uh, getting sunflower oil and, and uh, other seed oils out of out of the food chain would be something i'd really like to pursue from that point of view um i've got uh, i've got bigger plans for you know on the street food level and and restaurant level and all those sort of things but uh, i think they're for another year um maybe not just now but uh yeah look lots on the plate at the moment quite, quite excited i'm just you know, looking to land a few things um while also looking after a, a cinema chain which is all good fun fantastic well uh, can you tell people the, the the handles of where they can find you online and um so we'll sign off after that yeah so i think probably the, the quickest way to get hold of me is on instagram that's uh, go low carb uk and then i've got links through there to my website and to my uh, twitter account as well so that'd be fantastic thank great talking to you ali that was really good thanks great talking to you as well frank cheers thanks for listening everyone please don't forget to jump over to itunes google play stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button and please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. This podcast is made possible thanks to paleocanteen.co.uk, which is my company. That's paleocanteen.co.uk. Thanks, and see you next time.